Well, if you would get your Bibles this evening, we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be looking at the first three verses this evening, uh, at what the Bible has to say about the Christian family and children in particular. As you're turning there, we know that children, raising children, raising kids is a difficult thing. Um, it can at times be very heart-wrenching for those of us that have have kids, and I think we all do here. Um, it's also frequently very humbling um, as you try to implement different things that you're teaching your kids, and they don't want to really listen the first time. So it can be humbling and gut-wrenching at times, but parenting is also one of the most joyful experiences that God has given us here on the earth. And when a family is run as prescribed in Scripture, um, it not only brings joy, enjoyment, and blessings to us as parents and blessings to your family at home, but it also, more importantly, honors Christ and glorifies God. And so we're looking here at the book of Ephesians, which of course was written by the Apostle Paul to the church there at Ephesus. Uh, the second half of Ephesians um, is the Christian practice. So the first three chapters we have kind of the indicatives or the truths of the gospel that we are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ because God is a good God and saved us because he loved us. And then when we turn the page to uh, chapter 4, we read that we are to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Ephesians 4.1, that in Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Ephesians 4.17 says that we are to no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So the point being that if we are in Christ, our lives should necessarily change. We've been born again, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live and walk in newness of life. And at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, Paul begins to get very specific about something very important, and that is home life. Husbands related to uh, their wives in marriage, um, children and parents, and then also how we interact with our bosses in the workplace. Now, why does he do this? Why does he spend so much time in this epistle talking about these three things? Well, because these are the bedrock of society. And tonight, we're going to be looking at one of these three foundational institutions, that of the family, and specifically children. Because the family is the most important building block in human society. It is the primary way that God has chosen to get the truths of Scripture into the next generation, proclaim the glories of God and the greatness of the gospel. But the family is and has been under attack. Satan knows that this is God's way to get the truth to the next generation, and so he undermines it, undermines the family, and tries to tear down the foundation of your family. He seeks to cup the ropes of the vessel of your family and, and send it out Send your kids adrift. Now, I recently read a book about a man named Salvador Alvarenga. Salvador Alvarenga was a El Salvadorian fisherman who fished off the coast of Mexico. He was a really good fisherman. He was known for the massive amount of fish that he would bring in. And these, these men, they were called shark hunters. They would go out 50 to 100 miles off the coast of Mexico into the Pacific Ocean. And for a week, they would fish. Well, in one particular fishing trip, something that he had done a thousand times, he found a really good spot. He found a honey hole and filled up his boat like that. And so he thought, I can get, make it back to the shore, unload this, and get back out, and these fish are still going to be there. So that's exactly what he did. He hightailed it back 
to the beach, unloaded his fish, and he skipped some very important steps to get back out there, though. He let some priorities get out of whack. He didn't um, service his engine. He didn't pack enough fuel. He didn't pack the provisions that he needed. He was in such a hurry. He thought, I've done this a thousand times. I'm not worried about it. I can make it back. And then another thing that he did is he wanted more space in his boat. He wanted less weight in there so he could add more fish. And so he left his anchor on the beach as well. And off he went. He also didn't check the weather and there was a storm coming in. So he gets out there 50, 75 miles off the coast and the storm comes in and starts to blow him out to sea. He's not that concerned. He's been in storms before, so he keeps fishing. And it, but it starts getting worse and worse. And so finally, he thinks, it's time for me to head back. And so the storm gets worse and worse. The waves get higher and higher. And all night long, he fights this wind and this storm to get back to the coast of Mexico, to get back home. But about that time, as dawn um, rose, he could see the coast where he was trying to get and his engine failed. He didn't have an oar, and so he had no way of getting to the shore. His only saving grace would have been if he could drop his anchor and wait to be picked up, but he had left his anchor as well. And so this man, because of a couple of mistakes, he took his eye off the ball, eye off of what was most important, gets uh, pushed out to sea, and he ends up drifting without a motor, without a sail, without any means of communication for 438 days alone in the Pacific Ocean. Unbelievable. He is adrift, tossed to and fro at the mercy of the current. He had taken his eyes off the ball, put his treasure in the wrong things, and it cost him dearly. And sadly, that is what many parents do. We take our eyes off of what is most important. We put our treasure in the wrong things, and before long, we realize that we have, we have cut the ties from Scripture, cut, cut the ties of what's most important, and we are adrift in the world. One commentator said, you must regard parenting as one of the most important tasks while you have children at home. This is your calling. You must raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord because there is no more important task. You have only a brief season of life to invest yourself in this task and only one opportunity to do it. You can't go back and do it over again. To do this job of parenting well, you mu it must be your primary task. It must be your primary calling. So there is nothing more important. But the values of culture, the things that the world says are more important, can sometimes take hold of our heart and push us further and further away from our biblical calling as parents. Those things draw our hearts away from the primary task. We spend more and more time on those things that really have no eternal meaning at all. And many families, including Christian families, have drifted, unanchored, rudderless at sea. So you must guard against that. You need an anchor. But it gets, it's even worse than that because adrift, the American family is more susceptible to the real danger more susceptible to the world and the storm that will break over and sink our, our families. Ephesians 4.14 talks about the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Satan tries to get in and, and deceive our children, susceptible to the whispers of the world, tossed to and fro by the winds of different doctrines. And there is a constant storm that is coming. 
the worldly agenda of abortion and transgenderism and same-sex sex adoption and marriage, child psychology that has this new shiny way that you should raise your children. All of these things undermine Scripture, and they cut the ropes that moor our families to the truth. And it's no wonder that the world, prince of the power of the world, look to undermine and destroy the family because, as I said, they are the primary means that God has for his glory, and so that we can, can continue the truths of the gospel to the next generation. And the world longs to replace the biblical family with its own model, trying to create chaos, cut your children adrift so that they can influence them. And if you're not anchored, you could get pulled away by this strong wind of worldly influence because the attacks come from all angles. Academia, um, Entertainment, government, your local school system. It comes from their friends and your friends and your neighbors and their classmates. But let not your heart be troubled. Because in Christ, if you are a Christian family, if you are rooted and grounded in the truths of Scripture, Christ is the captain of the wheel. And the Bible is the anchor that will keep your family strong. Keep it together. Keep it moored to the truths of Scripture. Help it stay afloat. The Holy Spirit is the sure and steady wind in the sail that will guide your family to glorify God. And so when we turn to Scripture, it has every truth, every guideline that we need in order to navigate the difficult, turbulent waters that we find ourselves as parents in today's world. Because what Scripture says is timeless. It doesn't, it doesn't get old. It is up to date. The principles that worked for Paul and, and, and the people that he was preaching to 2,000 years ago still work today. And so what does the Apostle Paul have to say to us about the family? What does the Christian family do? How do you imitate God in your home? Well, Paul gives us instructions here in two parts. He addresses the children in verses 1 to 3 and parents in verses 4. Now next week, Steve will walk through the role of parents in the Christian family. And today, we're going to look at the responsibilities of children. So if you'll follow along with me here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may, not, may live long on the earth. So you'll see there in verse 1, that our text begins with a direct address to children. Um, this is, not referring to children of any particular age, but any child that is under the influence of their parent, any child that is living under the roof of their parent. So if you have a child living under your roof, this applies to them and it applies to you as you seek to guide them in these commandments. This is addressed to children also because children like you and like me and like everybody are sinful. They are sinners. Contrary to what the world says, children are not born good and need to learn to sin, but rather they were born in iniquity. Uh, Psalm 51, 5 says, Behold, David said, I was brought forth or I was born in iniquity. Proverbs twenty two fifteen teaches that sinful folly or disobedience is bound up in the heart of a child from birth. And as a result of the fall, your children are corrupt in total. They may look cute, but that is deceiving. I was once, um, I used to live in Decatur, and we walked up, uh, we had maybe three acres that we lived on. We walked up the porch, and there was a cute little raccoon in a tree just kind of right above the porch. 
my brother and I walked up, and we thought we'd get a good look at this raccoon. It was just hanging there, right? So we walked up, we took a few steps, and this little thing didn't run away. It turned and snarled at us and bared its teeth. Okay? It looked really cute, but underneath was a very wild animal that was going to attack us. The cuteness was hiding the wild craziness of this maniac raccoon. Okay? Now, our children look cute, and our children are cute, but under the thin veneer is a wild animal, <laughs> a sinful heart. So children, like all of us, need instruction. They need commands. And therefore, Paul begins by addressing the submission of children. Now, there are no children here in this room, but we need to be able to, to know what children are commanded to do so that we can um, mold them and shape them and point them to what is best for them and train them towards what they should do. Again, there are no children in this room. It's all adults in the room here. So often the question is asked, like, how much of this still applies to me as an adult? Am I to still honor and obey my parents? What does that look like? Well, we are no longer under our parents' roof. And we read there in Ephesians 5.31, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, we are no longer under our parents' roof, and so the authority is different. Right? We still love, we still honor our parents, but it looks a little bit different. So when you're call, you're, your dad calls you as an adult and needs you to help him with something, you help him because you love him and you honor him. Not because you're obeying his command, but because you still love and honor. That love and the honor that you have for your parents never goes away. It doesn't wane. You will always have a duty to honor your parents the relationship is just slightly different. But that brings us to the specific commands that we're going to look at tonight, to honor and obey. These commands are not hard to understand, but they're hard to implement. Okay, so we're going to answer a few questions, like how are children to obey? Why is it necessary for children to obey? What are the limits to obedience? And what does biblical obedience look like in the family? So let's look here at verse 1. It says, children... First command, children, obey your parents. That word obey is a verb that means it's a, it's a command. It literally means to hear under. So you are sitting, if your child should sit under your authority, listen intently to what you are saying, and then respond positively. That's the idea here. It carries the idea of following and being subject to something. If you look over at uh, chapter 6, verse 5, this is the same word that is used there to describe a slave's obedience to, its, to their master. Same word that is used to describe our obedience to Christ in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. This is also the same word used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the um, Hebrew scriptures, in Psalm 18.44 to describe our obedience to God. And so it is a, a listening intently and responding positively. Ted Tripp has a very helpful definition of obedience. He says, Obedience is the willing submission of one person to the authority of another. It means more than a child doing what he is told. It means doing what he is told without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. So children are to put themselves under the words and authority of their parents, listen, and obey. They need to do it. So question, how are children to obey? Well, verse 1 answers that question. How are children to obey? They are to obey in the Lord. Okay, this phrase, in the Lord, is not a condition. Paul's not saying, you are to obey your parents if they are in the Lord, or if they are believers in Christ, you are to obey them. That's not what he's saying here. 
this is, is uh, qualifying the verb obey. So in the same way that you would obey the Lord, obey your parents. Emphasizing a child's ultimate obedience to the Lord through their obedience to their parents. And so this is the same word that we see here in, in just a, a few verses earlier. In 522, wives, be subject to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Slaves, be obedient to your masters as to Christ. So children obeying their parents, it is the same as them obeying Christ himself. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that this is the supreme reason. We obey our parents and honor them and respect them because it is part of our obedience to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the next question is, why should our children obey? Why should our children obey? Well, Scripture gives us several reasons. Specifically here in verse 1, Paul exhorts children to obey because it is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So our, the reason our children obey is not because it's pragmatic. It's not because there's a, a psychological case study that says it's better for them. It's not because there's human evidence or theory that it's good for them. All those things may be true, but the ultimate reason that we do it is because it is right in God's eyes. It is right by his standards for children to obey their parents. We don't need another reason, but we have another one. In fact, if you turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, we have the second reason why children obey. Colossians 3, 20 says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So next, children obey because it is well-pleasing to the Lord. Um, when, when children obey their parents' wishes, they're doing something that pleases the God of all creation. Jesus said in uh, John 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You want your children to understand that obedience is an act of love, not just to you, but also to God, and it pleases him. And whatever pleases our Lord, we should train our children to do that as well. Next, um, Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, makes it abundantly clear that children obeying their parents is particularly important to God. It is important to God. Now, children may look at obedience to parents as something that's relatively unimportant. You may be communicating to your kids by not making them obey you that it's not important to you, but it is important to God. God made this one of the Ten Commandments, and then he sprinkled it throughout the Old Testament law. So important that he made it a capital offense, punishable by death in certain cases. Exodus 21.15 says, He who strikes his father and mother shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21.17, He who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Deuteronomy 21.18 says, If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when he, they chastise him, he will not listen to them, he is to be turned over to the elders, and then all of the men of his city shall stone him to death. This is important to God, that your children obey and honor you. Romans chapter 1, in the New Testament, Paul puts disobedience to children in a list with murder as an example of an unregenerate and depraved mind. So we obey, we train our children to obey because it's important to God, it's well-pleasing to God, and because it is right in his eyes. 
And that brings us to our second commandment. And that is in verse 2, to honor your father and mother. Children are to honor their father and mother. And before we get to that point, the whole idea here is that we are training our children that ultimately we're not the big deal, right? Honoring and obeying us is important, but ultimately they need to be honoring and obeying God. We're pointing them to the fact that God is the ultimate person that they are honoring and obeying to see how vile it is to obey Scripture. And so verse 2 says, honor your father and mother. So if obedience is the action of compliance, honor is the attitude behind the compliance. And they both go hand in hand. They go together. The word honor means to show high regard for or revere something. It is used in Scripture for how we are to honor and revere and fear the Lord. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Children are to hold their, their parents in the highest possible regard. And so as their parents, don't allow them to dishonor you. They're tr you're training them how they're going to honor the Lord. This command is from the fifth commandment uh, from Paul, and it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that has to do with family relations. MacArthur says that in essence, if you have this right, the rest falls into place. Reverence for parents, he says, is the key to social stability. It is the principle, and this principle alone secures the family's fulf uh, fulfillment. Now, although these are two separate commands, to honor and obey, they really go hand in hand. So it's impossible to honor your parents if you're not obeying them, and it's impossible to obey from the heart if you're harboring dishonor for your parents in your heart. And make no mistake, that is the goal of obedience, is obedience from the heart. So children, obey because it's important to God, it's right, and they should seek to please him, and children should honor you for the same reasons. But you'll notice in verse 3 that Paul also gives an additional reason. Verse 3, children should honor and obey because it brings a higher quality of life. It brings a higher quality of life. He says, so that it may be well with you, child, it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. So this is a quote from Exodus 20, verse 12, um, the fifth commandment, with one important change that Paul makes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This promise to the nation of Israel was um, in the fifth commandment, shall uh, honor and obey your parents and the Lord's for this, so that it may be well with you and you may live long in the land. So it was very important that these children learn to honor and obey God so that they could continue to worship, them, worship him not be pulled away by the idolatry that was going to be in the land. So he says, children who are honor and obey their parents and learn to honor and obey the Lord will learn to worship him and they'll be able to stay long in the land because of their obedience. And so when Paul quotes this, he takes the benefit to the Jewish nation and moves it forward to us in the New Testament to your family and says, you will, they will live long on the earth. So children who honor and obey grow to make disciplined decisions. You could very well train your child to obey so that they avoid danger. You can imagine a scenario well, this, where immediate obedience is necessary. You can think about you, know, you opening the door and to get out to the car and your young child runs to the street with a car coming. 
That child needs to know that a command to stop from you means stop now. You don't have time to count to three. You don't have time to, to threaten or bribe or anything like that. They need to stop. There could be some serious repercussions. Perhaps when your child is older and they're pulled over by a police officer. You think there could be some problems if they have learned from you that authority is merely a suggestion to be followed if it's convenient to them? Yeah, there's, the world is full of problems just like that. So there are tangible blessings to honoring and obeying your parents that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. But beyond the tangible, there's just a richness of life that comes when we obey our parents. It will be well with you, both spiritual and physical blessings. One commentator said that a a person who grows up with a sense of respect for and obedience to his parents will have the foundation for respecting the authority of other leaders and the rights of other people in general. And they will live long on the earth. Now, quickly, it's very important that we understand that this is not a promise, an ironclad promise in Scripture, that they will live long on the earth and everything is going to be well with them. This is a a truism or like a proverb. It's not a magic formula. There's no uh, you know, foolproof recipe. For example, my wife has a very good chocolate chip cookie recipe that she has perfected. Right? She's taken little recipes from other people and she's perfected this one recipe. And when she mixes everything correctly with the right ingredients, puts it in the bowl and does her thing with the mixer, and she puts it into our oven at a specific temperature, 350, right? 375. <laughs> You are guaranteed results in 12 minutes on the first round and 11 minutes in any round after that because the pan, the, the, the sheet is hot. Okay, every time guaranteed results. That is not what this is talking about. Okay, this is not an ironclad promise. Take it to the bank. Okay, we all know wicked people who have lived to, to a long life. We also know obedient people who have died young. So this is not an ironclad promise, but a truism. But by and large, children that honor and obey their parents, it will be well with them, and they will live long on the earth. Obedience brings a higher quality of life. So our next question here is, are there limits to a child's obedience to parents? Well, technically, yes. There are two limits. One, if if a parent... um, instructs or commands a child to disobey scripture or two if you are if a child is not permitted to do something that scripture requires in those two instances then your parents can be disobeyed because god is a higher authority however those are not usual and by and large there are no limits and we learn this again if you turn back to colossians three twenty, maybe you kept your finger there We don't see that here in Ephesians, but Colossians 3.20 says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. In all things. This means all things big and small. Both the thus saith the Lord, Scripture, sin issues, black and white, no question about it in Scripture, and the day-to-day running of your household. You're the parent. You set the rules. You enforce the rules. Okay? You're in charge. They're under your roof and they must obey. So in younger children, this means what they eat, how fast they eat, right? When they brush their teeth, when they do homework, when to turn off the TV, how much TV they're watching. 
when do they go to bed and when they get up? When your children are older, how long they can be on their device, whether they have a device at all, which friends they can hang out with, how long they can be out, whether or not they drive, whose car they drive, whether they have a phone or a computer or a smartwatch in their room, outside their room. All of those things are under your roof. What is appropriate to wear, you set the standard. They need to honor and obey that standard. And you are the standard, not their friends and not their friends' parents. I doubt very much you care what the friend down the street is doing. You are running your household. And if your children want a different uh, standard on these gray areas, they are more than welcome to pursue those as soon as they are no longer under your roof. As long as they're not pursuing a sin issue, they are more than welcome to, to make their rules in those gray areas, but not while they're under your roof. So children are to obey in all things. And finally, what does it look like to honor and obey in your family? What does honor and obedience in the family look like? If we tie all this together, we could sum it up by saying that children are to obey their parents immediately, completely, with a happy heart. Immediately, completely, with a happy heart. Remember, children are to obey as they would obey the Lord. And obey a, a command from our Lord and Master is to obey, be obeyed immediately, completely, with the right attitude. And we are, what message are you sending your child if you, if you allow them to obey when it's convenient for them? You're teaching and training them, really, to disobey. Perhaps you've heard something like this. Johnny, come down from there right now. Johnny, come down. I'm not going to tell you again. All right, Johnny, I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half. Now, Johnny, I mean it. Johnny, I'm going to tell your father when we get home. Okay, Johnny, just stay there. I'm going to leave you if you don't come down right now. Johnny, please, please come down. I'll buy you an ice cream cone, right? That seems kind of comical, right? But that happens every day, everywhere. And what you're doing, if you allow that in your home, is you are training your child to disobey one, two, or three times. Obey, disobey until dad is mad and he really means it. Disobey until they get a bribe. You're training your child to disobey you. Ginger Plowman, in her book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, says delayed disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So first-time obedience is important. And what that, what that does is it trains your children to understand authority and submission. Because your child is always going to be under authority. Whether it's your authority, a teacher's authority, government authority, the police officer that pulls them over. Ultimately, this, the ultimate and supreme authority of God. So you should... Gently remind your children of your authority. And you can do that in several ways. Um, one way is, periodically our kids are out running around doing their thing outside and they run in and they say, get me some water, right? Get me some water. They're not thinking, I'm going to wrestle this authority away from my parents. But ulti ultimately, they are putting themselves in a position of authority by ordering you to do something. And so gently remind them that you're the authority in the home and they need to ask you something. I would love to get you some water, but you need to ask me. Oh, okay, can, I, can you please get me some water? Of course, I would love to get you some water. Another thing that helped Beth and I, uh, we went to a conference, I think it was a uh, homeschooling conference. We go to really cool things, homeschooling <laughs> conference. And one of the speakers there, when we, were, we had younger kids, talked about must and now, okay, must and now. And so 
we implemented this when our kids were young and it helped. So rather than saying, you know, Johnny, I think it's time for bed. We started saying, you know, you must go to bed now, right? You must go to bed now. It just totally changes everything. It's, it takes the ambiguity away. It helps them understand your authority. They're to submit to you, gives them a timeline, and somehow it's like, oh, okay, I need to do this now. So must and now were concepts that helped us when we were um, raising our younger kids. A couple of things there. So children are to obey immediately. It's very important. A child who honors and obeys their parents should also obey completely. In Scripture, God doesn't ever consider partial obedience to be obedience at all. One example is from 1 uh, Samuel 15. Um, you'll remember the story of Saul and the Amalekites. G Saul had been given the command to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Their livestock, the people, the king, level, everything. And you'll remember that Saul mostly obeyed. He went in there, he took out everything. Right? He killed everything, except he kept the choice livestock for sacrifice, and he kept the king. Right? He didn't kill the king, he kept him as a trophy. And so what did God think of that? Well, God didn't look at that as obedience at all. He was disciplined. The kingship was wrestled away from him because of his disobedience. So obedience in children is no different. Children need to obey completely. Completely finish the task. Go all the way to the finish line of what you've asked them to do or they're not obeying you. So children should obey immediately. They should obey completely. And finally, children who honor and obey their parents will obey with a happy heart. It's very important. The most important reason children need to obey with a happy heart or with a good attitude is because God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. God's not interested in obedience that doesn't come from the heart. There's a very clear example of this in the Pharisees. They were very obedient to the law. Externally, they kept it really well. But God didn't consider them to be obedient because it never touched their heart. They were not obedient in God's eyes. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that obedience um, comes from the heart as well. Remember, he said, you've heard that it was said many different things. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has committed adultery already with her. Where? In his heart. God looks at the heart. We have to train our children that obedience needs to come from a good attitude from the heart. That means honor by, obey, by obeying in action, but also in demeanor and speech. So oh, oh, to comply, if your child's complying with your wishes while rolling their eyes, that's not biblical obedience. If they're complying and obeying while stomping up the stairs, that's not Biblical obedience. Children must honor both in their actions and what they say and the way that they say it. Tom talks about this several times, about how the, all the different ways you can say okay. right? You can say that in a way that is biting and disrespectful, or you can say that in a way that's very respectful. So you, you need to make sure that our children are obeying from the heart because that is where God is looking. So obedience in your family should mean to obey immediately, completely, with a happy heart. So we have seen here, Paul's commands are that children are to obey and honor their parents. One more quote from Ted Tripp. It says, Honoring parents means to treat them with respect and esteem, 
because of their authority, their position of authority. It is honoring them because of their role of authority. If a child is going to honor his parents, it will result of two things. Okay? If your child's going to honor their parents, it's, there's two things. Here they are. A parent must train him to do so, and a parent must be honorable in his conduct and demeanor. This speaks of instruction, and it speaks of example. The best model children have towards obedience to, our, to parents is a father's obedience to the Lord. And so next week, we move on to verse 4, where Paul addresses the second part of the family, and he addresses parents. So as difficult as parenting is, and it is a difficult thing, we are not alone. Scripture informs us of, of how we do this in a way that glorifies God, both in our relationship within our family, but also in, in the, our relationship to our neighbors and the world. God has given us guidelines and instructions in his word on how your family can imitate God, how your family can walk worthy of the calling of Christ in your home. So anchor your family to Scripture. Encourage your children towards biblical obedience. Because let me tell you, children who obey their parents immediately, completely, with a good attitude, are really strange. They're weird. They're odd in this world. And that's exactly what you want. You want to be different. You want your family to, to be a lighthouse that people can go to and say, this is a godly family. This is a, a family that honors Christ and seeks to be obedient to him. And you can glorify God in your home by following what God has taught us in his word. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are not silent in this very um, difficult task that we have as parents, Lord. So we pray for your help, Lord, but we also are so thankful for the opportunity that we have that you have given us an opportunity to steward what is yours. Lord, these children belong to you. Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for all of the parents in this room, Lord, that we would do this in a way that honors you, or that we would, um, we would keep our, our eyes on what's most important, Lord, and we would train our children to honor and obey us so that they can learn to honor and obey you. Lord, we thank you that you are such a good God. You provide what we need. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.